We welcome you to Woodland Lakes Community Church, and we are glad you are here. I love that picture. It's from Band of Brothers, if you're familiar with that series. And I love the fact that the one was on his own, didn't have to stay on his own. Because some people willingly decided to join and be with him. I love that picture. We're in this series that ties in with this talking about being known and We've been talking about being known by God and, and uh, knowing ourselves, being honest with ourselves. We've talked about being known in friendship. We talked about last week, if you watched it on, on video, is known in struggle. And today I want to be talking about uh, known in community, being known in community. One of the best ways to be known is in community. We're going to talk about that and unpack that. I want to remind you that the, the big idea for the series is the one who knows you best loves you most. The one who knows you best loves you most. Someone said if I asked me if I got that from a Gaither lyric, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did. It's locked in there subconsciously. You know, I think something may be original. It's not. Nothing's original. There's nothing new under the sun is what Solomon said. The one who knows you best loves you most. Now something about this pandemic has taught me, I don't know, no, that's not the right word, has reminded me or reinforced uh, my need for community. I love my wife. And we were quarantining, and we're going to quarantine a little bit more because we've got grandkids coming. And, hey, when it comes to grandkids, <laughs> yeah, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll behave. I'll be a good soldier. Yes. Uh, I'll just say, I love being with my wife and everything, but... I miss community. I miss being with people. I miss connecting. And I think one thing about the pandemic has done, and it's not just me, because I've heard some of you talking about it too, it helps me appreciate community more and realize how important it is to me. How it, I don't function as well without community. And I, I, I'll just say something that's been really kind of interesting. I've talked to a number of people who attend Wooden Lakes and some who are new, and, and some who are not here yet. In other words, you know, I'm anticipating that this will be their church home one day. But I've had conversations, and, and one of the things that I've heard the most from people is they said, I just need community. I just, I just need community. I think it's such a huge need, especially now, and that's why I want to talk about being known in community this Sunday. And something I love about God, there's a lot of things, but something I love about God is how creative he is, how creative God is. And I think about what it says in the creation narrative, the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, we have this beginning of the creation account, and it's just amazing. And I love this, how it talks about God creates and creates and creates. There's this creative frenzy going on. And the, the Bible mentions that the scripture says, it says, and God saw that it was good. And it's in there a number of times, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. 
And then I read what it says in Genesis 1, first part of verse 26 and verse 27. This is what it says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now here's something we have to keep in mind, is we are all created, the, we are all created in the likeness of God. We're going to talk about that uh, sometime this next year in a series about being in the image of God and what that means, what are the implications. Just know this, that God is a relational being. As God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, He is three persons in one. We call that the Trinity. Now, if you want me to explain the Trinity in five minutes, I can't do it. If you want me to explain it in a half an hour, I can't do it. It is mysterious, and it is challenging to get our arms around it. But here is what it tells us, and this is the first instance where we start seeing what the Trinity looks like. Let us make man in our image, our, plural. Let us, plural. So the God who desires to have relationship with all of us as people has always been in a meaningful relationship and fellowship. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that's kind of uh, mind-blowing. He's always been in a meaningful relationship and fellowship. And I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this because you see how important community is. There has never been a time when God did not exist as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From eternity past, existing in perfect relationship with one another. There's never been a time where God was not in relationship. So he created us, human beings. He created us in the image of God to be created for community. And I would say it this way. In other words, we can't truly bear the image of God apart from community. I'll unpack that in a minute. Move down a little bit in Genesis 1, and then God speaks of his creation with even more expression. Verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. It was not just okay. <laughs> it was not uh, decent. It was not acceptable. Okay, so since we're not getting out as much and I don't have a chance to go uh, perusing through Goodwill stores for books, for treasures, like books that are $1.99 for hardback, 99 cents for softback, there's certain books that I'm reading and I'm starting to get a little bit more OCD about the way I'm reading them. I want to read them in a series and so I used to do it on Amazon, but those are expensive and then I found you can get them really cheap, really cheap. And they say this about these books. They say, like new, or excellent, or very good, or good, or fair. means they got gum in it and stuck it together and you can't, yeah. God, God looked at this and didn't say, that's oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's good. No, it says he said it was very good. Magnificent. But then the story takes an interesting turn that 
God says something that's really interesting, especially when you look at the proximity of the statement of all we've said, where God has said, it is good, it is good, and then it's very good. Everything is so good, very good. But God notices something in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Listen to these words. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, John Ortberg helped me understand how profound this is. This is what he wrote. I like John Ortberg a lot. He said, what is striking is that the fall has not yet occurred. There, there is no sin, no disobedience, nothing to mar the relationship between God and man. The human being is in the state of perfect intimacy with God. Each word, he, each word he and God speak with each other is filled with closeness and joy. He walks with God in the garden in the cool of the day. He is known and loved to the core of his being by his omniscient, love-filled creator. Yet the word God uses to describe him is alone, and God says aloneness is not good. It's a number of years ago, I read a book titled Creating Community by Andy Stanley and Bill Willits. I love Andy Stanley. I don't agree with all his theology, but I really like him because he's a phenomenal communicator and he's a former youth pastor. I like that. They wrote a book about creating community, and this is something that they said that also helps me. And this got my attention. <laughs> I had to chew on this a little bit. Here's what they wrote. Apparently, according to the writer of Genesis, God creates the inside of this man a kind of human-shaped void that God himself will not fill. No substitute will fill this need in you for human relationship. Now, even though the man was in a state of sinless perfection, he was alone. And God said it was not good. Here's what I want you to hear. Living life alone does not accurately reflect the one whose image we bear. Living Life alone does not accurately reflect the one whose image we bear. Because we are created to be known in community, we weren't meant to be alone. We can't bear the image of God apart from community. Well, fast forward to 2020. We live in a day and age where it is more connected than ever before, right? With electronically, technologically, digitally, and yet we are more alone than ever before. I mean, everybody, not everybody, a lot of people have Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter and two or three other things that I don't know or use. You, you, can, you can do all kinds of things, and yet people are more alone. And too many people live in isolation, and God says that is not good. And I like this statement that people are acquainted with many people, but are known by none. Hmm. Having access to people isn't the issue. We can all get access. We're around people all the time. No. Some of us don't want to see more people. Really glad none of our greeters said amen right there. That, that was, I was a little nervous about that. <laughs> Heard it this morning. So it said, oh, it's not that I dislike people. I just dislike mankind. <laughs> <laughs> I 
You know, I, I got to say this. I lived in the fourth or fifth largest city in the nation when I moved here to Wichita, and I get tickled when people say, Wichita is such a big city, and I just kind of smile. We want to get away from people, right? Sometimes people are all over. This is the biggest city in Kansas, Wichita. It's the biggest city in Kansas, but sometimes we actually want to be away from people. My question is, why all the loneliness? Polster George Gallup said this, that Americans are among the loneliest in the world. In the midst of busy lives, overcommitted schedules, and congested cities, we feel alone. So here's a big idea, and I want to challenge you to do this, is invest yourself in others and allow yourself to be known. See, I believe community is a two-way street. I I don't think it's always dependent on someone else. Sometimes we think it's their job to have community with me. We both work towards that. And I challenge you to invest yourself in others, to allow yourself to be known. Now, if I invest myself in others and I get to know people, does that mean that I might have my feelings hurt? Definitely. Does that mean sometimes a life is going to be messy? Mm-hmm. Does that mean some of these people are going to make me frustrated? Correct. I challenge you. I challenge you to invest yourself in others and allow yourself to be known. Uh, this, is, this is what I want us to do as a church. And When we're not known in community, we can suffer from some harmful consequences. I want to just give you a couple. There's actual natural consequences of, of not being in community. Here's, here's two of them. Here's the first one is loneliness. There's some fascinating articles in Forbes and some other business magazines sometime back that talked about loneliness, and they're seeing significant loneliness in millennials. Now, millennials are the largest group of employees in the country right now, are millennials, and they're getting older. And Generation Z is right on the next. They're right on, coming right out behind them, and there's a lot of Generation Z people that are lonely too. It's contagious. Loneliness may be a bigger health risk than smoking or obesity. And they're finding higher rates of cancer and chronic illness in people who are dealing with loneliness. Here's what I believe. Loneliness can kill you. And this is one of my greatest concerns with the pandemic. When I've talked to some of our senior adults and I've talked to loved ones that are, that are on their own. And this pandemic is, is brutal, especially if you feel lonely. I think there's a lot of lonely people in Wichita. I think there's people that are longing for community. I, I, I hear it a lot, and I think we've got to have our eyes open and be on the watch for that because it's harmful. And I, I think when we look at Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, we realize it wasn't supposed to be that way. It was never supposed to be that way. Here, here's, a second, here's a second consequence. Isolation harms spiritual growth. <laughs> Heard this when I was in college. There's a guy, a pastor, down at Meridian Park Church of the Nazarene. That's where Denise and I were attending. And this guy's name was James Rush, Russum. He works for the Nazarene Bible College now. Wonderful preacher, small church. Denise and I were college kids. We were dating at the time. We went, I'll never forget something he said. Uh, a Christian out of church, a Christian that's not in community, it's like a fish out of water. Well, what happens? Well, it dies. You see, I think isolation is one of the enemy's most successful strategies 
so that he can attack and destroy us. His sheep are never attacked in herds, ever. Sheep are attacked when, when they become isolated from the rest of the flock. I was talking this last week to a friend of mine. He's a friend and a pastor in Cimarron, Kansas. His name is Tom Bose. And I remember something he talked about years ago. And you've probably seen some of these documentaries on Animal Planet or on Discovery Channel where they show this, like they were showing these zebra and they were explaining how this, this herd of zebras, their, their defense mechanism is their stripes, that when they're all together, lions or, or other predators can't make out which are the individuals because they all want, look like one big mass. But when one little one or one wounded one gets isolated... They become dinner for the predators. And I, I, I watch some of those, and they, they actually depress me, so I don't watch them very often. But I watch those ones where there's this herd of impala or there's these antelopes or whatever, and they're all running together, and then one of them that's young gets off by themselves, and they get taken down. You see, to be known is so important. You need community. You need other people and they need you. They need what you have to offer. And if you don't engage in knowing relationships, you shortchange yourself and you shortchange others. Sometime I'm going to do a series on the spiritual gifts. And, and remember when we were kind of in the love chapter, we were talking about 1 Corinthians and the people of Corinth were fighting. And so that's the reason he wrote about the love chapter and he put all these things one of the things they were wrestling with was this idea of spiritual gifts, and they were kind of misinterpreting and misusing. And the thing I want you to understand about spiritual gifts, that God gives us gifts. It's a gift to you. He gives, it, he gives you what I need, and he gives me what you need, and then he wants us to figure it out. He doesn't give you your gift so you can parade it around saying, I have the gift of prophecy. And everybody's supposed to, ooh, he's got the gift of prophecy. When I was at Hutchinson, I'll never forget, uh, someone was, we, we had those standardized spiritual gift tests, and I'm not sure I'm real wild about those, I kind of think people kind of go with what they like anyway, you know, and they, I have the gift, this one person said they had the gift of martyrdom, that made me a little nervous, <laughs> so we did have someone follow them the rest of the uh, time, I, no, I'm kidding, here's the thing, you, you see, God gives us spiritual gifts, so we'll be better in community. So you have strengths that I desperately need, and I have strengths that you need, and we miss out when we don't let those things intertwine. And is it hard? Yeah, sometimes it's hard because people can be a little challenging. You can say amen there. Go ahead. You, you know you're wanting to. Come on. You know it. You're thinking it. <laughs> and, and wouldn't it be cool if we had, like, some type of technology that your thoughts could be projected where everybody could see it because you thought of a person there. You thought of a person there. You know you had that person's in mind. Like, I don't really want to love them. We need each other. And we're better. And just like that video at the beginning, it, it moves me when I see people that voluntarily come alongside because they didn't want one to go alone. So I, I, I've been... I've been thinking about um, <laughs> geese, and, and honestly, I've never been so close to 
geese. Um, there's a, keep that up. Keep that slide up if you don't mind, Aaron. So, like, one of the things that made me really proud about this church, Dave Childers, our interim pastor, was telling me things about, you know, here's what this person does and here's what they're, you know. He was telling about Daryl Melton. He said, do you know what he does? And I thought, oh, I know Daryl does a lot. I mean, Daryl's very active and all. He said, you know what he does? He goes and scoops the goose poop off the sidewalk. That's something he does that no one always knows about. So I didn't realize the remnants that geese left until I moved here to Wichita. And I see him right there by our pond. I hear them honking when I come to the office. I, I think about, like, please, not on the sidewalk. Go out in the grass. That's fine. We're, we have geese that kind of gather behind our house, and we watch them and listen to them honk. Did not realize how loud they really are, especially when there's a blue heron that's kind of taking over their territory. Something that's cool, though, is I love when they fly. And you probably know this, you've watched Animal Planet, or you saw it in science, you heard it in science in school, or maybe your middle schooler explained everything to you. But I, I love, and, and I know God designed them with a certain instinct and all that, but I love how that works. And there's scientists that have, have I don't know how they came up with this, but they figured that, that geese can fly 71% farther when they're in a V formation than one that's trying to go by himself. And you know what happens is there's that one head goose that's at the front. He's, he's, he's the one that's actually starting it off. He's the point of the spear, if you will. And everybody else drafts off that one. But they all draft off each other. And so when they get that V going, they get more and more draft. And they can go farther with less energy. And I, I love what happens is that... that that V formation is going because after the one in the front, because he's taking all the wind and he's taking all the you know headwind and he's the one that's cutting it, all that. When he gets tired, he falls back to the very back, to where the ones that are the most weary go. The next one moves up to that front of that formation, and the rest of the geese just honk their encouragement. Either that or they're yelling directions. No, take a left here. That's not the church, you dummy. Yeah. If there was one, they'd go only so, so far. But when there's a whole flock flying in formation, man, something incredible happens. See, my, my hope and dream for Woodland Lakes Community Church is that we will experience transformational relationship with each other, that that we would connect <coughs> at deeper levels than just the cursory stuff, like how you doing? Quite the weather, 72 degrees today, it's middle of November. Or, you know, ah, Chiefs are playing today. I, I envision, and I know it takes time and takes intentionality, but I envision a time and a place where people will know and will want to be known more than just the quick in and out. And we're going to we're gonna have to adjust some things. I mean, right now is a weird time, and I know we're still dealing with this virus, and there's just such weirdness. I'm pretty much ready for 2020 to be over. I know we're going to have to kind of try to figure some of this out. But I long for people to be connected and loved, no matter 
what their past has been. No matter what color their skin is. No matter what their tastes are. I, I want this to be a place where, where people feel connected and loved and wanted. And where there's not just information being dispensed, but where people feel a bond and an attachment and, and they become more and more invested in each other and in the process and their hearts become more open to God, to growth and to each other. And I believe it's just like that formation that there are some people that are trying to fly on their own and they're really missing out. But when they get together with another group of people that help them and encourage them and honk their encouragement and say, draft behind me for a while. I'll, I'll take the hard headwinds for a while. Just, just kind of draft behind me. I'll help you. You're, you're not on this on your own. A few years ago, I was influenced by a guy named Larry Crabb. He's written a lot of books, and there's some really good ones. He wrote a book called Soul Talk, and it really influenced some of the leaders of my last church. And he talked about, in this book, about how people could experience true community. And this is what, what I hope will happen among us as a community, where this is going to be taking place. It won't always be in a big room like this, okay? It's going to be in smaller settings. Here's what he said about true community, where a place like this where souls connect, where shame weakens, where sin surfaces, where failure meets grace, where irritations soften and where holy desire grows. Wow. Where souls connect, I, I, I think that's something special that happens. Where shame weakens everybody. We talked about last week and known in struggle, talked about the fall. Everybody has shame. Everybody. If there's someone here that has no shame in their life, they're not human. Where shame weakens, where sin surfaces. Last week we talked about confess your sins to each other. And then talks about healing. And it's talking about forgiveness. And it's talking about restoration. And the prayers of righteous man availeth much. That there's a place that's safe enough where the sin can surface and can be confessed, not swept under the rug and not denied, not forgotten, but it can be dealt with and forgiven and there's restoration where failure meets grace. Where instead of judgment and people waving their finger, there's hands open wide. Where irritation soften. Now let's face it, that's going to be one that's going to be challenging. And where holy desire grows. We're a holiness people. God called us to be holy. Once again, I challenge you to invest yourself in knowing others. And allow yourself to be known. You know, with this pandemic and with a lot of the stuff that's been happening in recent uh, months. You kind of have heard people say, does the church really matter? We're we're kind of an outlier. This church is a little unusual because most churches, and I know it depends on size of building and it depends on trying to go about things properly and all that, but, but 
they're saying that people are coming back to church at about 40% of what they used to do. Attendance is different. And so I've heard people say, does the church really matter? And I love what, Kim Tel- what Tim Keller said. He said, you can't know God, change deeply, or change the world apart from community. I think it takes a church to raise a Christian. In the old proverb, it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a church to raise a Christian. So I realize this uh, COVID pandemic is restricted what and how much we can do, but I want this to be what we're aiming for as a church, and this is something we're going to have to develop with time, and we'll do this carefully and thoughtfully, but here's some takeaways and some action steps. Here's the first thing is, I challenge you to open up your heart and invite others into your life. Some of you are like Fort Knox, (laughs) and I say open up your heart and invite others into your life. First thing. Second thing is this. Find a place to serve in the church. One of the best ways to build in community is to find a place to serve. Because you're generally not doing that on your own. You're usually with a group of people. I will just say this. On mission trips that I've gone, I've become like family to people like that. And we've been so tired that we've seen each other at our worst. And we've We've gotten so tickled, we'll laugh at the silliest things, and we'll remember those. Uh, we, got, we had one guy when we were in Brazil one time, his name was Glenn, dear friend. We are in these little things they called combis. These are their little tiny minivans, but they're really tiny, and half the seats are facing backwards. Glenn, Glenn didn't tell us that he gets car sick. Somehow he got the seat that was facing backwards. We had a bunch of papaya. Do you know what papaya is? It's orange. And we were driving through the streets of Rio de Janeiro at a fairly, oh, speedy clip. And all of a sudden, Glenn started getting kind of queasy. And there was nothing else to do. He opened up the window, and we're driving through the busy part of downtown Rio de Janeiro, and Glenn just throws up papaya all over along the side of his van, and all the people who were standing there on the street were just horrified. Can't tell you how many papayas that Glenn has received over the years. We have a shared story. We're community because we did something together. Find a place to serve in the church. I know it's a weird time. Not all things are going right now. Find a place to serve. I, I, I'm, I was marveling again at our lawn. It's November, and we still have green lawn, and I look at the lawn as I walked in today, and it looks just beautiful, and I think of our team, the work that they do, but I love to watch when they work. They're like teenagers. <laughs> Yelling and screaming. No, no, no. They, I watch the camaraderie, and I think that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. When we unpacked these new chairs, when we were doing the um, capital campaign, Basics Future, and we bought these chairs, and I was still new here and kind of been in pandemic, and so we're unpacking the chairs and tearing off the plastic and unwinding all the stuff that they had on there. And I watched how everybody just laughed and 
enjoyed, enjoyed being together. And I thought, that's community. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Third thing is this. Think small. Think small. I, I mean by that, not that we want to shrink our church. <laughs> we want to shrink it to where we can work with it. No. I'm talking about as our church grows and God brings and continues to bring people to our building, we're going to have to get people in smaller increments so they can know each other. So get in a life group or in a Bible study or book study or have coffee or lunch. You can do that even one-on-one. Get with someone. Look across the table with them. Hear their heart. Let them know you. Small things. Small things. I just want to pray. God, I thank you for our church. I thank you for the way you have blessed us in the midst of some really weird things happening in our country, in our world. And yet you have seen fit to give us, to favor us, to bless us. So I pray, God, that we would be people that are committed to being known, being known in community. And I pray, God, in a moment as we, as we get ready to participate in communion that you would help us to think about the significance of what all this means and that we're doing it all together. Lord, we give you praise and we thank you for who you are. And you love us and that you've never failed us. We'll be careful to give you the praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, we welcome you to Woodland Lights Community Church, and we are glad you 